Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of 3 Tune Tuesday. I am your host, Bonaparte, and 3 Tune Tuesday is my opportunity to share with you three songs from a long ago bygone era. From a time when wind-up phonographs were still new and music was still recorded acoustically. Today is Tuesday, January the 9th, and you have found your way to my quaint digital cottage in the digital countryside. Everyone is welcome. Please do come in, make yourself comfortable, sit back, and relax. Picture yourself in a large, comfortable, oversized, very well-cushioned Victorian chair. Beside you is an old-style stand-up radio, and it is about to crackle on with music from yesteryear. Close your eyes and let yourself be transported back in time with me, this time to the year 1913. The year 1913 in the United States was a period characterized by significant social change and a vibrant cultural landscape. It really was the zenith of the progressive era, a time when social reform movements gained momentum. These movements addressed a range of issues from women's suffrage, a cause that was gaining traction leading to the eventual ratification of the 19th Amendment, to labor rights, which were being redefined amidst the industrial boom. The progressive spirit of the era was not just confined to politics and social reforms. It permeated the cultural sphere as well. The country was witnessing urbanization at an unprecedented rate, leading to a melting pot of ideas and influences that shaped the art, music, and literature of the time. This era was also marked by significant advancements in technology and infrastructure, influencing the way people lived and interacted with the world around them. In the realm of art, 1913 was a landmark year, especially with the advent of the Armory Show, officially known as the International Exhibition of Modern Art. Held in New York City, this exhibition was a watershed moment in American art history. It introduced the American public to European avant-garde painting and sculpture, featuring works by artists such as Pablo Picasso, Marcel Duchamp, and Henri Matisse, of course, alongside American artists. This exposure to European modernism challenged and expanded the American perception of art, creating a dialogue between the traditional and the modern, the domestic and the foreign. The show not only displayed a variety of artistic styles, but also sparked debates and discussions about the nature and direction of art in the modern age. It was a reflection of a society that was increasingly looking outward, engaging with global artistic movements, and grappling with new concepts of aesthetics and representation. The Armory Show thus symbolized a pivotal moment of cultural transformation, indicative of a broader shift in American society towards modernity and a new, more complex understanding of the world. And this new, complex understanding and cultural transformation very much had its was seen in its music as well, as music began to change and genres began to adapt to a new type of thinking. So we kicked off our show today with a cold open of a song named Gems from the Purple Road. The Purple Road was an operetta that premiered in 1913 
and it featured music by Andre Reinhardt and William Frederick Peters. This would have been an operetta that was played in New York, which was the epicenter of American culture at the time. And the fact that it had it made its way onto a record at the time was definitely telling, as it showed the new musical appreciation that the populace at the time was beginning to really enjoy. Our next piece is A Hunt in the Black Forest. Uh, this is played and performed by the Victor Orchestra, which was the Victor Talking Machine Company's house band. And this particular piece exemplifies the kind of instrumental music that was popular during the era. It demonstrates the capability of the phonograph to bring orchestral music into the home, which was still a novelty at the time, but was quickly gaining in popularity. The song, and the record, and the recording serves as a remarkable representation of the cultural and technological transitions of 1913. This instrumental piece exemplifies the era's fondness for evocative, descriptive music, that really did paint vivid auditory landscapes. This is A Hunt in the Black Forest.
yes, that was A Hunt in the Black Forest. Now, if you're like me listening to that, there are a few things that really would have caught your ear. Uh, the first was that, of course, there were dogs in it. You know, the record was a representation of a hunt in a forest, which would have included dogs, of course. And the amazing part about that is that the way that these records were recorded at the time was without the use of electric volume amplification. So they didn't have microphones or anything like that. They had to literally produce, record, produce the song in one take with all of the musicians and sounds being played into essentially the large end of a funnel. And it would have been very difficult to do for a large number of people at once. You know, you would have had at most maybe half a dozen to ten singers, musicians, and people who would move to and from the front of this funnel, you know, as as required. And so to hear the the anvil and the dogs and all of that would have been a, a magnificent recording feat at the time. You know, we think nothing of it today, but back at the time, that was a very amazing and incredible thing to do. The other thing that really caught my eye or my ear on that particular song was the use of the anvil. There were definitely hints to me of the song Anvil Chorus, which would have been from one of Verdi's operas, uh, which is a, a rather famous opera and song in and of itself, uh, during which the depiction is of Spanish gypsies striking their anvils at dawn and singing about hard work, women, and wine. And this song definitely, the one that we just listened to here, definitely brought up, brought up images of that as well. I think that there was certainly some inspiration going on. So before we move on to our next song and third song of the day, you know I would like to talk about a couple of other things um, important in the realm of Blind Skeleton and Skeleton Brew. If you're like me, you definitely love that cup of coffee in the morning, and then a second because the first one woke you up, and then a third just before the workday starts, you know, and so on and so forth. If you really do enjoy the rich aroma of a freshly brewed cup of coffee, uh, I invite you to explore our sister site at skeletonbrew.coffee. Skeletonbrew.coffee is the finest specialty coffee. It is all specialty coffee, specialty grade coffee. It is definitely a step above what you would find at the grocery store. And it's not just about coffee and good coffee flavors. It's about really embracing a cause that resonates with our spirit here at Blind Skeleton. Uh, Not only does every purchase support Blind Skeleton itself, but we also extend a helping hand to the local art scene. 10% of every purchase is donated to a non-profit arts organization uh, because I do believe, and we here at Blind Skeleton believe, that that's a very important thing to do. We have supported in the past Opera Delaware, and we're currently supporting Wilmington Drama League. Uh, All of these are really crucial parts and pillars of the arts community here in Delaware, and it's nice to be able to support them, and I hope you appreciate supporting them with each of your purchases of coffee, and it is really good coffee. And of course, there is more. While you are immersing yourself in the world of exquisite coffee at skeletonbrew.coffee, 
as well as enjoying all the blog posts about coffee. Don't forget to sign up for the mailing list. It's a gateway to a plethora of coffee news. There's recipes. There's the latest happenings here at Blind Skeleton. There's introductions to coffee. There are brewing tips and so on and so forth. It's a wealth of information. It is all available on the skeletonbrew.coffee website. It's a little community. Um, We're building it. We're having a lot of fun with it. So please do go check out skeletonbrew.coffee. Get a great coffee. Flip on over to blindskeleton.one. Listen to some music. Watch some movies. And have a very good time enjoying coffee and culture as it intertwines. Now, the last song we have for the day, the third song, is from one of my favorite operas of all time. Um, This is from Rigoletto. And this is sung by the illustrious Enrico Caruso, who was a very famous opera singer at the time and still is, in fact, considered one of the masters. Uh, He is definitely one of the most celebrated tenors of his time and all time. And this particular rendition of this area from Verdi's Rigoletto exemplifies the height of operatic artistry prevalent in the early 20th century. The aria is imbued with emotional depth and technical mastery, and it showcases the theme of complete, unrequited love and longing, elements, of course, that were central to many operatic narratives back then and as they are now. This particular recording from Caruso not only captivates the audience, and it would have captivated them at the time because this would have been a brand new phenomenon to them to be able to listen to the opera in their homes. But it also played a pivotal role in popularizing opera amongst the the population at large because they were able to now listen to the opera at home. Caruso's recordings are still amongst the most sought after. And they really did contribute to the growing appeal of classical and operatic operatic music in the United States. So the phonograph, of course, was a relatively new invention at the time. You know, it had been around by 1913, flat disc records were about 20 to 23 years old. No, but things did not move, move as fastly back then as they did today, so 20 years was still relatively new. And the phonograph was still revolutionizing the way that people experienced music. The radio was not quite widespread enough yet, so the phonograph was really how people were beginning to share and appreciate music as a transition away from sheet music. And of course, it was recordings such as Caruso's that were among the early examples of how the phonograph could really bring the grandeur of opera from the stage directly into the living rooms of the average American. So this is Rigoletto Parmi Vedere Le Lagrime from Caruso. Hey, 
And with that final note from Rigoletto, we draw to a close on today's journey through the musical landscape of 1913. I'd like to extend a thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in today, whether you joined us live or, or are listening to the podcast on demand. Your presence and engagement make these explorations through the annals of music history all the more enriching and enjoyable. Of course, you are able to reach out to me at Bonaparte at BlindSkeleton.one. Also on Twitter at, at Skeleton underscore one. And on the website, BlindSkeleton.one, are links to the rest of our social media presences. We do invite you to reach out and engage. I love listening and hearing to each and every one of you. Now, as we bid farewell to these captivating sounds of 1913, I invite you all to join us again next week. We will continue our chronological adventure as we delve into the year 1914, uncovering and celebrating three more remarkable songs that echo the spirit and the transformations of that era. It's an ongoing journey, and your companionship makes it a truly extraordinary experience. And now, as we step out of the time capsule of 1913, I release you back into the bright and bustling world of 2024. May the rest of your day be as harmonious and inspiring as the music we've shared. And until next time, keep the music playing, keep the coffee brewing, and keep the coffee hot and close. Have a great day.